Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 125 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. It's Peter and I tonight, two-thirds of the Average Cheese. Peter, it's good to see you. How are you? Good. It's good to be here. I was just thinking through my head what two-thirds of average was, but... (laughs) (laughs) If average is 70%, I don't know what two-thirds of that is. I can't do the math, Peter. 43, something like that. 44, I don't know. Yeah. Two-thirds of the average cheese. Todd's actually here in Wisconsin today visiting family, so that's cool. Maybe I'll see him. Maybe we should have just waited till he could be on. We could have just had two-thirds of us in the room together. That would be weird. <laughs> we, you know, we never did our three, all three of us in the same room podcast when we were over at your house. I guess we ran out of time. We did. Man, that was fun. We need to do that. Too, again. Much, too, to go back. too much football and too many wings. Yeah, too many drinks, too. So it's episode 125, Peter. It's your time to shine. I sent you a text. Uh, Harlan Huckleby, no? <laughs> the Harlan Huckleby number, yeah. Yeah. Could be. That was that the player from our youth. Yes. Yeah, I, I guess it has to be Dorsey Levens. That period in the 90s was a special period. The pack came back, and that will always be a special period. And, and so, you know, Dorsey Levens was a integral part of that Packers team from 94 through 2001, but we think of that Super Bowl team, you know, where he initially started as a backup fullback, backing up William Henderson when he first came to the Packers. I didn't know that. And was still listed as a fullback in the year that they won the Super Bowl. Became the starting halfback, running back, whatever you want to call it, the following year in 97 when Edgar Bennett was injured in preseason. And that was Dorsey's big, big year. Rushed for more than 1,400 yards in 1997, made the Pro Bowl. Had a second 1,000-yard season a couple of years later. Kind of towards the end of his Packers career, he had a number of injuries. I think he broke a leg one year, had a couple of knee injuries and stuff. But it'll always be an integral part of that Super Bowl team. Not just for his rushing, but he was a really good receiver out of backfield as well. And there were a couple of years. There was a year that he caught 71 passes. Which year is that? 1999, he caught 71 passes. I mean, people kind of forget he caught 271 passes for the Packers coming out of the backfield. So in addition to his 3,937 rushing yards, say, which is seventh all-time for the Packers, say he caught 271 passes and the one that I think probably we all remember is that one in the NFC Championship game against the Panthers. Packers had gone down behind in that game early. 31-yard touchdown pass from Brett Favre down the the right sideline where Levins kind of, you wouldn't really call it a jump ball, but Levins went up and, and caught that ball. Anybody go back and try and listen to the radio commentary of that, Jim Irwin and Max McGee. It's a really cool radio commentary of that catch. Like I say, 
an integral part of that Super Bowl team. And interestingly enough, so Levins is seventh on the Packers' all-time rushing list. The guy that's sixth, perhaps somewhat surprisingly, is Ryan Grant, who also won 25. Yeah. Nice. Um, so it could have been either of those guys. But, uh, but like I said, I think for us, that 90s team, there's something special about that. Yeah, Dorsey Levins. The 90s teams were like this rebirth of the Packers after being... Yeah. And we talked about it a million times, but being not very good for a really long time through our childhoods and then all of a sudden being back to that, I don't call it dominant team, but a team you expected to make the playoffs year after year. Dorsey Levins from Georgia Tech? No. Yeah, yeah. So so he started his college career at Notre Dame and then transferred to Georgia Tech. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to reach through the memory banks. But he wasn't a fullback in college. No. So they switched him to fullback or called him a fullback. Did he yeah. actually block behind Henderson? Like, did he play games as a fullback? I don't remember. I, it. I don't really think so. I think he spelled Henderson a bit, and I think he spelled Edgar Bennett in 95, 96. Even though they listed him as a fullback, I think he played, certainly in 96, he played more as a halfback, tailback than than as a fullback. But officially on the roster as a fullback in those early years. Thank you. Dorsey Levins. You know, I never thanked all the friends from... <laughs> Here I go. On a sink. It's been so long. I'll put it here. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at r Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. So Romeo Dobbs was interviewed. I'm not exactly sure how this came out. But Romeo Dobbs basically said that Jordan Love can do the things that Aaron Rodgers can do. Now, I understand, like, Devontae Adams went to the Raiders and then said that he's playing with another Hall of Famer in Derek Carr. So I get that you build up your quarterback. My question to you is not, like, is that stupid or not, or is it ridiculous or not, (laughs) that Jordan Love is going to be Aaron Rodgers, especially in year one, because we know he's not. The question is, What part of Jordan Love's game do you think will most emulate Aaron Rodgers' game next year or in his first two years? So what I think is, and I think you touched on this maybe the last podcast or a couple of podcasts ago, if you think back to Rodgers in his early years as a starter, 2008, 2009, will be Love's ability to get the ball out quickly. That will be most like 2008, 2009 Aaron Rodgers. I think we saw evidence of that in in the little bit we saw of Jordan Love this past year, particularly that Philadelphia game. It was one, two, three, drop, hit the open guy. That was it. And And I think that will be most reminiscent of a young Aaron Rodgers. How would you say Love's arm strength is compared to an Aaron Rodgers? I think it's definitely similar. I, okay. mean, I, I think I think it's difficult to say it's 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 a stronger arm or it's not quite as strong. Sure. It's definitely it's definitely comparable. I've got no problem. On paper I think that Jordan Love's ability to make plays outside the pocket is also there. I'm not trying to suggest he's going to make all the plays outside the pocket because because ultimately I think that's where you look at where Rodgers really did excel. Moving to the left and to the right, making those great plays, off-structure plays outside the pocket. Jordan Love has the potential to do that, but I think that's something that I think you'll see more of as a player gets more confident as the years go by in, in, in his case. I wonder, 
I don't want to say in the past because there's only really two games, right? The Kansas City game and the Philadelphia game where he played real meaningful snaps in a game. I wonder if they told him, Jordan, you stay in the pocket and make plays from the pocket so he wouldn't retard his growth as a quarterback. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but I wonder if they didn't tell him, you focus on staying in the pocket rather than running out and making plays. And I wonder then if that's the case, Will he then now run a bit more now that he's the man? I think so. And I think that when I look back to that Kansas City game, let's remember as the backup quarterback, he wouldn't had hardly been taking any snaps in practice up to that point. He didn't know until the Tuesday stroke Wednesday of that week that he was going to start against Kansas City because Aaron went, went down with COVID on the Tuesday yeah. or Wednesday. And so I think that limits you know, the game plan. It limits the number of plays that you're going to run and the types of plays that you're going to run. I think you're then running within or running plays within, you know, a certain structure. These types of plays are more likely to work. These types of plays are a little bit more complex, less likely to work in a short period of time. So I, th- I think definitely played with a limited playbook. I was just messaging back and forth with someone on Twitter, Rip Wheeler. No, that's not his real name. But we were talking about where it might be better for our young receivers to have a quarterback that runs the plays and just runs the plays how they're written. And also, like you said before, gets the ball out of his hand immediately. They don't have to worry about how they're going to adjust their routes and that kind of thing. They're going to run their routes. And for young guys, I think that's super important. I know we talked about that before. And especially if they're going to feature the two young tight ends, uh, Musgrave and Kraft, that they drafted. If you're going to feature those, again, you're going to be looking to hit those guys six or eight yards downfield. Speaking of Musgrave, I was reading an article. I should probably start citing my sources. I don't remember who wrote it. About how athletic this dude looked. 6'6 and running that 4'640. And again, they're in shorts. And I, I know that it's a different game. Nobody's really smashing him off the line and bumping him off of his routes. But if you look at the tight end room from last year, there's nobody that approaches that athleticism. So that's probably why it jumps off the page. Like, holy smokes, look at this kid. Musgrave, I don't want to say got rave reviews, but they're very excited about their, his athleticism. I'm not totally surprised. I think we've talked before that, you know, he's one of those guys that, and the Packers did quite a bit of this in this past draft of picking guys who were actually injured the previous, you know, this past this past year. But he was one of those guys that had he not had the injury, certainly would have gone higher than, it, than he went. I think there's a lot to be excited about there. And we'll see how that plays out. He wouldn't be a Packer if he would have been healthy last year. Yeah. He wouldn't have lasted until the second round, probably. The other rookie that has gotten some nice publicity or press is uh, Lucas Van Ness. Kenny Clark is saying nice things about him in an article right here on Wisconsin Sports Heroics. My question for you is, as the defensive coordinator, you've now replaced Joe Barry as defensive coordinator <laughs> of the Packers. So, <laughs> Congratulations. Goodness. I'm not sure that's an upgrade, by the way. Oh, well, it might be, according to many. It would be. Will Lucas Van Ness put his hand down on passing downs? Before I answer that question, can I just ask, did I beat Jim Leonard out for the job? I mean, he wasn't available. Sorry. (laughs) I still love Jim Leonard, and you know this. I love you too, but I don't know what your chops are, you know. CV or your resume is not quite the same as Jim Leonard's. The question is, does he put his hand down on third down? Yes. 
Absolutely, yes. For you know, a younger edge player to be able to use them predominantly in that role, at least in the, in the let's say the first half of the season, the first few games where they don't have to learn anything else other than just get after the passer. I think that's a a great position if you like to to be in. I'm sending all of them after after the quarterback. So is it Preston Smith, JJ and Igbari on the outside? Van Ness think, is one of the ends in the three four. I, th- I think so to begin with, yeah. I mean, why not? Let's put guys on the field that can rush the quarterback. And it's yeah. not a foreign concept to Lucas Van Ness. He's played with his hand down a lot. Yeah, that's another athlete that's gonna be like, huh. Wow, because we haven't had an athlete other than Kenny Clark. So then who is it? Not, not, oh gosh, no, I can't stop thinking about it. So if it's Enigbari and Preston Smith, and then some at some point Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, and then Van Ness, does it go TJ Slayton or is he still a zero one guy again on first and second? Yeah, down? I mean, I, I... I think you know. I think it's. I think it's Kenny Clark and and Devontae Wyatt in the middle. You know, you'd, you'd like to somehow get to a position where when Rashan Gary comes back, say who knows when, let's say week eight or whatever, whenever it may be, that's almost a bonus. Then at that point, right? You're getting production out of a guy who's, you know, fingers crossed, completely healthy at mid-season, which could be that could be a huge get essentially. Another guy who has gotten and it was early in OTAs was Samari Toure was getting a lot of positive comments about how he's changed his body composition and looks bigger and stronger than he was. I think it's interesting for a guy going into his second year to change his body because most guys do more working out after their last season in college because they're trying to make themselves look as physical and as fast as they can. So they just start working out. But he has gotten bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to know, and we'll probably never know, whether that's something that he's just done off his own back or whether the Packers kind of pointed him in that in that direction. Be, inter- be interesting to know. But of course, being the defensive coordinator still, I don't know what's happening on the offensive side of the ball. So Right, you just hope. <laughs> <laughs> It says, if you guys could see Samari right now, you wouldn't even recognize the guy from last year, his growth. He's put on like eight to 10 pounds. He goes into the slot, right? Or does um, he? Yeah, I, I guess so, because he's going to be, what, receiver four, probably, I guess. And Reed is a slot guy, so he probably becomes the fourth guy in the other slot, as it, as it were. So, so probably, yeah, but he's going to be a big slot guy. I mean, he's, what, six one nearly 200 pounds already i don't according to this website 193 he went from 184 to 193 but you know how football stuff is man they say he's 225 and he really weighs like 195 that's how they do they're never actually as big unless they're really big and then they say they're less than they are like when they weigh 400 (laughs) nobody puts 400 up those are the guys that i heard about in camp we don't have to go into the jordan love thing but he struggled a bit as you would expect Right. The defense always looks good in shorts and in helmets because they know what we're passing. They're passing on every down so they don't have to worry about that. But the defenses look better. But it also did against Aaron Rodgers camp last year. So I don't know what that means exactly. I don't want to read too far into it. I don't want to be alarmist this year. I'm trying to like. I generally think that and this this is a generalization, but but I think it's easier for the defense to click quickly 
than it is for the offense to click quickly. Because I don't want to say defense is simpler, but the concepts are yeah. simpler. Like there isn't 900 defensive plays. There are variations off the same play, but they're you know the, the fronts are relatively the same. What do you think about the younger wide receivers and Jordan Love like going on the boat together? Do you read anything into that as far as like the connection between them? Is there a difference between the Aaron Rodgers way of thinking? Is there an advantage to these young guys hanging out with Jordan Love when it comes to football? Let me put it like this. There's no disadvantage. So there's no so there's no downside to this. Whether there's a, a huge upside, whether that helps their camaraderie, I guess it does. But there's definitely no downside to it, whereas I think there is a downside to, to it not happening. I always thought they always panned on Aaron Rodgers' face. Anytime there was an incompletion or any negative play, that always panned on him. And of course, you're going to be upset as the quarterback or as any competitor when something goes wrong. The difference between the two quarterbacks, if Jordan Love has a relationship with Samari Toure, Romeo Dobbs, whoever, when he makes that face, it comes from an understanding that we are in this together. Whereas if you don't go to OTAs, you don't you know, show up and you don't have a relationship with your receivers, I think that it comes off as being a dick. It's hard when you don't know someone. You can't assume the best when you don't know someone. I think it will help in football. I think when the times are tough and they're going to be tough, we're going to ride a roller coaster with Jordan Love as a quarterback. But there's understanding there. Let me, let me ask you a question. So the news came out, I guess it's a couple of weeks ago now, about the draft coming to Green Bay in 2025. What do you think about that? Oh, I'm going. And I hope you're coming too. I'm super excited about that. And we, I was talking about it on NFL Outdated. Thanks, Andy, for letting me come on that show. And he's like, aren't you worried? No, I am not worried. For eight Sundays every year, the Packers have home games. And to think that it's just the 70,000 that fit into the stadium that come to Green Bay on those Sundays, that's nonsense. Now, for the draft because of when it is, there is enough infrastructure in Green Bay. Are there going to be the Vegas bright lights and all those kind of things? No. It's going to have to be done within the setting of Lambeau Field if they want to make that kind of experience happen. Because, right, the bar across the street from Lambeau isn't going to be posh. You know, there's a diner across the street from Lambeau. The bars are, for lack of a better term, bars not nightclubs they're not going to be swank you know what i mean if that's what people are expecting they're not getting that but as far as having a hotel room that's close enough yes having public transportation yes and if people don't think that that the airbnb market is going to be bananas people will be renting their houses out guaranteed so you don't need hotel rooms I bet there are houses up. If you and I looked right now, I bet there are houses up for the 2025 draft. If they can put them on VRBO and Airbnb, there will be plenty of places to, for people to stay. And people will be getting their Uber licenses for sure to make sure that everybody gets around town. I'm very excited for it. And we talked about this way before it was going to happen. And for all the shit, I think that's the first time I cussed Peter. What the heck? I don't even, like, I don't even have the swear jar. There we go. <laughs> For all the shit that Mark Murphy has eaten, he has to get kudos for this. 
because it's his thing. Like this is something that you know that he's been pining for for years and years. And to make that happen is a huge feather in that guy's cap on his way out because he's just about out as the president of the Packers. So good on him. I think that's amazing. I think it's going to be awesome. I think that people will be surprised how great Green Bay is when they get here. It's going to be Packer fans. People are going to come from all over the globe, just like they did to go to London, because this is probably a once in a lifetime thing. What are your thoughts? I'm excited. Talk like an hour. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm super excited. And like and like you say, I think, I think we have to make the assumption that it's once in a lifetime. When's the next time the draft's likely to come back? It won't be for quite a few years if it does come back. I think for those of us traveling there from outside the state, from outside the country, it's going to be different because most people will have gone there during September or October or November. So they're going to Mm -hmm. see Green Bay and Wisconsin at a different time of year under slightly different circumstances. It's going to be very, very cool. Yeah. And you're coming, right? That's the plan. You can stay here. It'll be fun. My turn to reciprocate. You got to bring Rhonda too, though, yeah? It'll be good. Ah, I can't wait. Yeah, they were doubtful on the show that I was on. I also was uh, told by someone, so we have an airfield in Oshkosh, which is close to Green Bay, that hosts the EAA fly-in. I don't even know what it's called. I've never been there. That has like 600,000 visitors over time. So if they can hold 600,000, now granted, people are camping and doing all kinds of stuff that probably people aren't going to do for the NFL draft. But there's plenty. I'm expecting that we'll be up there as the average choose actually announcing the Packers draft picks. Yes. Yeah. We should do a show. We've been saying this for years. We should do a show from the parking lot. Yeah. We're doing that. Of all of the draft picks that the Packers drafted this year, which one of them surprises you? Now, there's the seventh-round guys are out just because. Which guy surprises you and gets a ton of time? And then which guy surprises us and gets cut? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I will go first because I just sprung this question on you. <laughs> it's unfair. The guy that surprises is going to surprise that gets cut is the kicker. Now, that's probably not a big surprise, but when you draft a kicker, you should not cut him, right? Because you just wasted a draft pick on someone who could have helped your football team. I think he gets into camp and just starts kicking it all over like he doesn't know how to play Madden football. He's just kicking it sideways. I think that Anders Carlson gets cut and the Packers decide to go with a retread veteran. I don't know that it's a surprise. I mean, I think the two tight ends are going to play. I so, so if I had to pick a surprise guy that might contribute more than more than we might expect, because he's likely to be fifth or sixth on the deck chart, but I think a guy that could is Dontavian Wicks, the wide receiver. Okay. Um, just because this, I mean, this is a young wide receiver core anyway, and I think that you know Wicks has an opportunity to bust into that top four, and certainly the top five. Um, and so he might play a little bit more than, than we expect and catch a few more balls than we might expect. So he'd be the slight surprise, if you want to call it that. I agree with you about kicker. I mean, we were all surprised at that pick anyway. The one that I'm just not sure about, and not because he's not a really good player, 
because I think he is a good player, is, is, is Colby Wooden. I still don't, you know, and we've we've not seen him yet, and come pre-season, uh, yeah, that might all change. It's just I'm not quite sure what he is. I'm not sure whether he's a, a hands-down defensive lineman or whether he's an edge guy or quite what he is. So not so much of a surprise, really just that's where my biggest question mark is, and I'd like to see him, like to see how that pans out. Because he's going to come from having a hand down to, because he's not big enough. <laughs> when I see him, I watched a little bit of his highlights because I don't watch tape, but he reminds me of the Slayton that the Packers had last preseason, size-wise. And that guy didn't make the roster. In fact, I don't think he made any NFL roster. You know, and it may just be about what his role ends up being. Does he end up being a third down, pass rushing type guy? I don't know. Does he have the ability to put on weight or does he lose weight in order to try to become more athletic and play outside? If you're his personal trainer slash life coach, which one is more beneficial to him as a player in the NFL? My gut says he ends up as an edge guy. And so, therefore, he certainly doesn't need to need to put on any, any more weight. What, 270-something, if, if my yeah. memory serves me correctly. Which actually is not that dissimilar to what Preston Smith and those, and those guys are. Hasn't yet demonstrated that explosiveness that those guys but I think he's probably, for me, he's probably closer to being an edge guy than a than a down lineman because he's just not big enough. Be difficult to put that kind of weight on his frame because I, he's not real tall to begin with. But probably proved me completely wrong. I hope he does. Me too. I just don't see it for him, but I hope. It is harder to become more athletic, though, than it is to put on weight and then play. But, I mean, for him, they're both going to be not impossible things to do, yeah. but... You're going to put on weight in college. Very rarely are you going to put on a ton of weight as a grown man. So if he's 270-odd now, it could be that if he plays at 260, he becomes slightly more explosive. Yeah. It could be, that could be it. I mean, I, Clearly, they saw a lot in him okay. to pick him where they picked him. So we're just yeah. right now just trusting that process and just like to see how that pans out. Okay, I know I said last question when I just thought of one. So you're talking about Dontavian Wicks. We talked about Samari Toure, Romeo Dobbs. Will the Packers go out and try to find a veteran wide receiver to fall into the mix? Or do they just go with this young guy? Or just tell me what you would do. Would you go out and find a, a veteran? Or do you just run with the young guys you got? I wouldn't be opposed to picking up a relatively cheap free agent. Yeah. Veteran, okay. Just to add to that, add to the mix. Right, I wouldn't be uncomfortable with not with not doing that either. I try to look at this certainly in recent years. Is when you look at wide receiver six and wide receiver seven, if they kept seven, are those guys wide receivers or are they special teams guys first that can also play wide receiver? And I think you know we've talked about you know they've got Watson and they've got Reed and they've got Samari Torre and Romeo Dobbs and Dontavian Wicks and all all of a sudden you've got five guys there. Yeah, they're all in. I get that. Right now, at this stage, I wouldn't be uncomfortable if that was my wide receiver call going into the season. We all love Randall Cobb. I was a huge Randall Cobb guy. And if he would never have gotten hurt, I think he would have been, I don't want to say Hall of Famer. But I mean, before he had that injury in his early in his career, you just saw such a dynamic, fast, athletic dude. He reminded me of a little bit smaller Sterling Sharp. That's who I thought we were getting in Randall Cobb. That said... 
31-year-old Randall Cobb, as great of a guy as he was, hindered the progress of the young guys because he was taking snaps from them. Now, did he mentor them? I bet he did. He seems like that guy that would mentor them and try to bring them along. But I do think that he, I mean, Amari Rogers wasn't going to be a great wide receiver. I don't care who was. Someone else would have taken snaps from Amari Rogers if it wasn't Randall Cobb. But Rogers and the young guys not getting on the field made them worse than the mentor they got in Randall Cobb. I hope I don't know if that makes any fucking sense. And, and I also think that there is a point where you say 2023 is important, but I'm also building for 2024 and 2025. So what I don't want is to go into 2024 having you know, a group of wide receivers that haven't had all the snaps that they should have got because a veteran came in, was okay, but just took snaps away from them and then he's moved on after a year and, these guys haven't progressed because they didn't play. I've just always felt that at the point that Jordan Love became the starting quarterback, it would be great to have a wide receiver core that grew up with him. As much as I want to say the Packers are a playoff team, and I did predict they'd have 10 wins on another show, which I will maybe not say when we come around to it, you can't be assured that this is a playoff team. It's a growing year. Do I want to see them win a ton of games? Of course. Do I expect it? Mm. I don't expect it. And I think that's different. If you think you're one player away from the Super Bowl or one player away from winning the Super Bowl, then that's different. Then mm -hmm. I think you make that move, whether that's before the season or whether that's an Andre Ryzen, the example we always use midway through the season. You make that move. At this stage, when, when the whole offense is pretty much, is certainly the skill positions on offense are young. I think that it's right that those guys grow grow together and you look to be a playoff team in 2024. And if you do it earlier, great. Right. That's a bonus. All right. Well, we said we were, I thought this would be a short show and we went for almost <laughs> an hour. So that's what we do. We talk Packers. Well, thanks for being here. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 125. The Average Cheese Podcast, the Dorsey Levens episode. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. <laughs>